Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W-A-B-E in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Today, you could say we're all over the map. Atlanta local food expert Sky Astroff takes us throughout Georgia on her new TV series, Foodie Road Trip. Viewers see mom-and-pop restaurants and discover hidden gems while learning stories about the people behind them. Plus, two different artists have created two specialty maps of our city. Later this hour, Joseph Vesey guides us through his illustrated legacy of Atlanta's hip-hop with the Atlanta rap map. And first... Atlanta artist George F. Baker III, also known as GFB3, creates bright artwork to engage the inner child we all have. Collaborating with Ideas United, he's made a new map of the city, a guide to black-created art and businesses in Atlanta. The project was a Black History Month-inspired undertaking, but this informative map highlights Black contributions year-round. The artist joins me now via Zoom. George F. Baker III, welcome to City Lights. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, happy to have you here. Please Tell us, how were you and Ideas United initially connected? It all happened because of a prior relationship with the amazing Bridget Kimborough. We actually worked on a a project a couple years ago over at Adult Swim. You know, she transferred over to Ideas United. And and as soon as this project kind of started simmering on her end, she told me that she knew exactly who she needed to contact. And it was me. Yeah, from there, we just kind of, you know, worked on building out the entire concept and creating this wonderful map that you have here. <laughs> Lots of mutual respect and great ties here. Mm-hmm. George, will you describe the layout of the map? Yes. So I kind of wanted to honor all the beautiful artwork and and businesses that we have inside the perimeter. So I kind of wanted to, you know, display this 
this beautiful tapestry that we have in Atlanta of all these different beautiful neighborhoods and within it kind of highlight these small and just gorgeous moments that we have of like black artistry and, and black businesses within Atlanta. Like we, we know of a lot of beautiful things that we have over in like downtown, but I felt like, you know, we need to expand that out a little bit. You know, we need to talk about some of the beautiful things that are happening over in College Park, some of the amazing things that are happening over in East Atlanta. Through this map, through this illustrated guide, I wanted, uh, I wanted people to be delighted and, and find new things that they didn't even know were, were there all through my map. Well, I think you succeeded with the delightful part. Also, I spoke with Amaretta the Great last week. <laughs> yes. Are you aware of her Sorry Not Sorry song? Incredibly familiar. <laughs> I know of a lot of things that aren't Atlanta now. So. <laughs> well, but, you know, yeah. the way our city, our metro area was planned, or not planned if you want to think <laughs> of it that way, with all the counties when we say Atlanta, we really are talking about a large metropolitan area. And, and your map acknowledges that. I mean, you mentioned College Park and East Point is another place. There are points north and south and west and so much creativity in the metro area, all worth celebrating. Did you help decide which businesses and artists were to be included on the map, George. I didn't know how much input you had. Yeah, so they definitely came to me with a good bit of it, but I'm always one where I kind of want to go the, the extra mile. And, you know, I, I never rely on any list to be like the full list. So, you know, I definitely had a lot of input on including more mural artists that I was a fan of that, that I didn't see represented on the list. You know, for example, Drew Borders, who has this amazing, you know, art piece that is over near Buteco at, at the Beacon, you know, artists like Jermaine Clark, even including some gallery spaces that I felt like really need to be, you know, added to the list. It was definitely like a collaborative effort because I want to show the full tapestry of Atlanta, you know, highlight the things that we do know about, but also give more shine to the things that we don't. Can you name a few of those galleries for us? Yeah, so some of the galleries that I had listed on here, uh, man, I believe it was uh, Tila Gallery 992 that I've, I've gone to so many times in my life, just for like different reasons from, you know, whether it's like some of the, the regular shows that they have there, or um, some of the musical shows that they have, even uh, Peter Street Station, everything that they have going on there. And that's like a, a daily operation from showcasing all the different sides of artistry, everything from spoken word on Fridays to musical acts on Wednesdays to a full secret gallery in the back. Like it's, it's a whole operation out there and I wanted to make sure to highlight that too. So much to discover. Through this process, did you learn about any fascinating Atlanta people or places you hadn't known before? 
Yeah, I, I think the coolest parts of working on this project is like, I've been in Atlanta since 2003 and, you know, I've seen so many different businesses and so many different things, but the gorgeous thing is finding new things that I didn't even know were here. Like the, the Brave and Kind bookstore that's over in Decatur. I had no idea that that even existed. And it was such a pleasure to be able to learn a lot more about, you know, what they have to offer and, and some of the, the gorgeously illustrated books that they have there. Even the, the Four Keeps bookstore that's uh, over on Auburn, I had no idea that existed until, you know, I started working with Ideas United and, you know, they, in a sense, kind of united me to that idea. So <laughs> it, was, it was really interesting. <laughs> Ideas United called this project a choose-your-own-adventure map of Atlanta. If you had one day, if you could only have one day to choose your own Atlanta adventure, what sites would you suggest? Oh, man. Okay. This is this is such a hard question, but if I only had one day, um, I think what I would like to do, I would probably, I would probably start off my day by, you know, heading over to the Atlanta Breakfast Club, which is closer to like downtown, semi-midtown Atlanta, get some good breakfast, some good waffles, <laughs> and then make my way back up Northside Drive and, and take in uh, Gerald Lavelle's Grace Mural, which is right across the street from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It is just a gorgeous mural to kind of take in. And then, you know, of course, I'm going to start to get a little hungry again because, you know, I get hungry all the time. So I'm going to come <laughs> back down to Edgewood and go see uh, Slutty Vegan, which, you know, I actually did the, the front facade for. So it's two forms of Black art getting shown right it's there. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, I would probably uh, end my day over at the Beacon and see the beautiful art that uh, Drew Borders and a lot of other, you know, great Black artists have uh, done over there. So, yeah, I would end my day off like that. <laughs> Sounds great. And hopefully yes. people can stretch out visits or return for more because as the map shows, there is so much more. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. My guest is artist George F. Baker III, also known as GFB3. You've lived in other arts-rich cities, George, Detroit among them. What differences have you observed in the art scene culture between those places and Atlanta? Mm. I believe that the, the main difference is that Atlanta, the main thing that always, you know, is just at the center of everything that we do here is change whether it's change that we embrace or change that naturally happens. And, you know, for some people that's almost seen as like, it's almost seen like a, as a detriment, but I don't really see it that way. I see it as in Atlanta, we're constantly just tilling the soil of just beauty here, you know? So there's always something new that's added, whether it's by people that have been here for years creating, you know, new institutions and new movements, or it's people that, are transplants that 
that have seen Atlanta from afar and just want to be attached to it and want to add on to the narrative. Like they're coming and bringing their new ideas here. And so I think the, the most gorgeous thing about Atlanta is that every single day, there's something brand new that we have to offer here. And it's something that's never going to stop. You know, it's something that's always going to be just blooming with just creative energy. And you can't predict what's going to happen, but you can always embrace it. So that's what you think is the essence of the arts community of Black creators in our city. I I mean, it seems that what you're saying is newcomers and first-time visitors should know this about Atlanta arts in general. Is there more you'd want to convey? Yeah, that's something that you have to rely on and depend on here is that we're always going to be growing and showing new 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 sides of ourselves and combining different ways of life to to really create something very vibrant and unique here in Atlanta. It's a place where everybody knows everybody. <laughs> Seriously, we're all like one step away from Andre. Like it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's something <laughs> it's so beautiful here. And, and because of that, like there's a unique homegrown just beauty that is always just effervescent here. So the South keeps <laughs> on ha- having something to say. Always. <laughs> The Atlanta Black Arts map actually includes quite a few restaurants, which is wonderful because food is an art form. You mentioned you're always hungry. I take it you are quite the foodie yourself. Which restaurants are your favorites? Or which might you recommend off the top of your head? Mm. Oh, man, off the top of my head, probably, probably Virgil's. They have amazing Gullah-inspired food there. As, as someone that is that is uh, Geechee, it's something that just kind of brings me back to my roots in uh, in Savannah and Hilton Head Island. So I would always love to go there and you know check out all their food. All their food is great. So highly recommend mm. it. <laughs> Wish I weren't allergic to shellfish. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. It makes it. I mean, missing out on a lot. Of course, I always manage to find other things to eat, even at restaurants that specialize in (laughs) shellfish. George, your style is so pleasing to the eye. Just upbeat, vivid, charming colors and big blocks, tons of personality. What influences inspire your visual aesthetic Mm. oh man that's you know of course that's a laundry list but you know I think one of the the very first things that that comes to mind is is honestly people I feel like the vibrancy and the differences and the creative energy of people is something that I I kind of try to to represent in in all of my work like people aren't aren't just made in a vacuum like we we're there's no one way for us to be and i want to try to represent that that almost like chaotic but also intriguing maximalism of the world and so i try to bring that into my art but if we're talking about just references and, and people that i've always aspired and loved 
Keith Haring, somebody's always stuck out to me um, ever since I was a child. I'm a huge fan of like the, the 90s and early 2000s Cartoon Network. So Jindy Tarkovsky, who made um, Samurai Jack, uh, man, and he also did Powerpuff Girls. Man, growing up watching Codename Kids Next Door. Mm. <laughs> it's just just all of this like cacophony of like fun cartoons was just something that just inspired my, my work and in the way that I kind of like try to go through life, you know? I love that blended metaphor, cacophony of cartoons. <laughs> oh, that's great. You have said that your art is intended to help bring out the viewer's inner child. And in fact, you are a co-creator of Foster Child Care Center, a company that creates experiences to bring the inner child out to play. George, what does a childlike perspective mean to you as an artist? Yeah, oh man, I feel like it's, it's bringing wonder out of people. You know, allowing a moment to to kind of clear out the lenses of, of people's, you know, visions and, and being able to look at everything as if it was brand new, as if you were just a child brought into this world. You know, you're just staring up and at awe of whatever that you see. Matter of fact, I was just talking to my mom about this the other day. It's it's just remembering that everything is amazing and everything that, that we touch and see has a lot of inherent value that we can just be in awe of. And that's what I wanna do. I just, I want people to realize like that inner child that we all have is something so precious and that we can allow it to come out of ourselves a lot more. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to, you know, conceal it under the lens of adulthood. No, we, we we need to bring that out because that's when we're being our most honest and authentic selves. George F. Baker III, or GFB3. More information about the 2022 Atlanta Black Arts Map, Your Day, can be found on our website, wabe.org. In a moment, Artist Joseph Vizi tells us the story behind the Atlanta rap map. Amplifying Atlanta, this is WABE. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 
This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Before Atlanta was the epicenter of hip-hop in the U.S., the South was often overlooked. It wasn't until the 90s when Southern hip-hop started to expand nationwide. At the 1995 Source Awards, when Andre 3000 of Outkast stated, the South's got something to say, the rap scene shifted and continues to flourish here. Atlanta artist Joseph Vesey, founder of Vesey Studio, illustrated the legacy of Atlanta's hip-hop by creating the Atlanta rap map. And he joins me now via Zoom to talk more about it. Joseph, welcome to City Lights. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Please tell us about your background and experience as an artist. Yeah, sure. I grew up in Lilburn, Georgia. Went to high school up there and was always kind of the artist in school, painting, customizing sneakers and T-shirts for everybody. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Ended up going to SCAD for a graphic design degree, but kind of always carried my love of art and illustration and painting and drawing with me in my work. So I have had a 13-year career now of graphic design, illustration, and mixing them in every way I can for clients like Adult Swim and Coach and a lot of fashion in New York, where I lived for six years, and Vivo, Tribeca Film Festival, just a ton of clients doing doing graphic design and illustration. But are you back in Atlanta? I am. Currently, I, I live uh, right near West End, so I'm close to downtown currently. What inspired you to create the Atlanta Rap Map? So doing so many client-based projects that were really detailed and, and had just large format with a lot of drawing, little detailed painting, I enjoyed it and it, I was really passionate about it, but doing them for clients was tough. I'd done a lot of posters for Adult Swim and others and, you know, having rounds and rounds of kind of having to redraw areas and have to do it real quick because the event's coming up next week and sometimes feeling like you're not getting quite enough pay for the amount of work that goes in. I just realized maybe I'd do one in my spare time and do it for me, do it for something maybe I could uh, list up on a site or involved with some sort of charity aspect. And uh, naturally I thought, you know, what, what's something that I really care about and grew up loving and, and have a lot of knowledge on. And it w- wasn't really a question to do anything other than Atlanta-based hip hop has always been something I've followed very closely and, and loved since a little kid. Hmm. I read that the Atlanta rap map took you three years to complete with one full year of research. How did you gather the information for your research? Where did you begin? Yeah, I I began just by writing everything that I remembered and I listened to. And then it was it was about a full year of just tracking down every older artist that, you know, there's a lot of resources online where you can find old albums that came out and digging through producers and figuring out what other projects they worked on and verifying if the other artists are from Atlanta, tracking down all the photos of locations, a lot of them which are long gone. Um, I even had to go to the Atlanta Housing Authority and kind of get some of their archive photos of some of the, some of the old public housing. I listened to probably, had to have been over a thousand albums and mixtapes and just writing down every note of every street name, every building, every old nightclub that was mentioned and 
and narrowing it down to what were the essential kind of local local hits or essential songs that I would pull the references out to put on the map. So it was a lot. It was a lot of work, a lot of notes. I have about 20 pages of little tiny notes of where every location was. I really wanted to be thorough, exhausting, and and something where nobody could really pick it apart and say I left anything out. Well, it doesn't sound like there is anything to pick apart. You've done all of the research. The map is wonderfully illustrated, Joseph. Would you describe its appearance and the artists who are pictured on it? Yeah. So originally it was painted 24 by 36, two by three feet, which is kind of a standard large format poster size. It's hard to get a feel for it online because it is pretty big. Uh, most people when they see it in real life, are, it wasn't what they were expecting because of the level of detail and the size. Um, around the side, I kind of narrowed down what were the essential artists to include on there based on impact and just innovation and contribution to the genre. Along the very bottom is, a, is an area listing all the producers and DJs that I thought were impactful enough to get on there because I didn't think it would be complete without them. To be a, a true hip-hop map, to be a true encyclopedia of hip-hop, they would need to be featured more prominently, but this was meant to be more of a focus on the lyrics. And then on the inside of the map, the main area is just a very detailed illustration of the city of Atlanta with couple of the suburbs that have been played an active role inset on the sides, but just with probably over a hundred little locations and street names and, and tons of little details that, that make Atlanta what it is. Oh, it is wonderful to look at. Thank you so much. The map not only includes legendary artists, but also cultural references, festivals. You have Freaknik on there. And you kind of trace the evolution of Atlanta hip-hop as well as iconic dances. How did you decide where these references would go within the map? Most of them, I tried to keep them as accurate as possible to either the, the rappers that were mentioning them and where they would have been, uh, their true location. Like a lot of these old nightclubs or strip clubs that are that are featured on it that are long gone I had to dig through and find the exact addresses and put them on there but certain things like Freaknik you know Freaknik had multiple locations over the years it was on but it seemed like Piedmont Park was kind of the a major home for it for a good part of its history so it just went there sometimes it was about where I could fit like like for instance the west side is so cram packed with locations that certain things kind of had to just get in where they could where they would fit in. Hmm. Did you go through a few renditions of how the map would appear? Yeah, I actually did. I started out just doing it black and white with the ink pen, but I realized I was going to be able to get so much more just life into it, painting it with color. So that's what uh, made me jump over to acrylic paint. Acrylic paint dries fast, so it was kind of the perfect medium. I could just keep it moving. Oh, I think that was a good decision. Thank you very much. Thank you. It took a lot of sketching and kind of moving things around. The computer was a big help, so I could kind of lay out a map and squish it or extend it the right way to fit into my square. Yeah, I just I referenced a lot of illustrated maps, historical ones I've loved, and theme park maps to kind of get ideas of how to do a border versus an inside and things like that. Uh, and which were helpful? Were, were there any outstanding examples? Yeah, there was a there's a map that I've always loved. I've always seen it online. I can't quite remember the name of the artist, but it's a map of Harlem nightlife from 
the 20s or 30s. It's a really famous illustrator. The name's just slipping my mind, but beautifully done. Just loved how it captured a time and a culture and a place. Uh, another one was, I, I believe his name is Dan Casaro, but he did a map based on Bruce Springsteen's lyrics. Because oh. I guess I'm not a big listener of Bruce Springsteen, but I know he has a ton of like location references and like the back streets and and he kind of had illustrated all that. That was another black and white map, but those two are big inspirations for it. And then of course, all the National Geographic fold-out maps that I grew up loving and and things like that all kind of combined. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that Harlem map sounds fabulous. And I'm sure people from New Jersey, not to mention countless Springsteen fans, would love looking at the Springsteen lyrics, but you have created something unique to us. Thank you. If you are just tuning in, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes, speaking with Atlanta artist Joseph Vesey. Joseph, how would you describe the influence of hip-hop on the culture of our city? I think it's been huge. I mean, I think it, our city has something to really be proud of about and really identify with. I think that culture in general is something that just kind of seems to kind of die out a little more each, each year in America, just leaving little, little pockets of true, true culture. And it's something that I've always been really passionate about. I think that culture adds so much to our quality of life. And the fact that it seems to be deprioritized each year is, saddens me sometimes, but there's still great living, breathing culture, cultural traditions of dance, of music, of art, of creation, of all sorts of things all over America. And um, Atlanta hip hop has just added so much to, to our world and something to be proud of, something to involve yourself in, something that attracts other people to come to be a part of it. You can't even express how, how valuable it is to the city. Wow. Which albums or Atlanta hip hop artists have been most influential for you? Oh, man. Well, all the Dungeon Family stuff growing up was just was just my childhood. I was just obsessed with everything. Outkast and Goody Mob put out everything down to Cool Breeze and Slim Calhoun and everybody like that. That was pretty much my entry point in the late 90s. I loved everything that came after that. I loved I loved Crunk. I loved that whole movement. I even liked the, the dance snap stuff. I loved what evolved after that. I love a lot of trap stuff, Young Thug and Future. I've, I've kind of, I feel like I'm one of the only people that's loved all of the renditions of Atlanta hip hop throughout its whole history. For some reason, no matter what it is, it, it connects with me on some level. I'm saying, Joseph, you are an omnivorous hip hop lover. All of it. Dungeon Family, I love that documentary featuring the Dungeon Group. Did you see it? I did. I really enjoyed that, yeah. I thought that was great. I interviewed them, and they were so delightful. Proceeds from the sale of this poster will be donated to Hope Atlanta. Why did you choose that organization to support? Yeah, so we did a lot of research on Atlanta-based charities that we wanted to give back to. Hope seemed to be a great fit. They'd been in Atlanta since the early 1900s, gone through a lot of changes and really know the city and are really in the heart and soul of the city. The main reason I wanted them was because I really liked what they worked with in terms of housing in the city. And it seemed like they were dealing a lot with the problems that come from gentrification, with people um, not 
you know, not having the resources to deal with giant property tax increases from people losing their homes and struggling to get back on their feet. And this map is kind of is indebted to the, the culture of Atlanta, the just the people that were, you know, living through the various eras and all the, the good and the bad that went on in Atlanta. And to be able to give money to somebody that will directly help with those neighborhoods that are featured on the map with people that are from there. It's kind of cool idea to me to create something about a culture and a location. And then the money made from that goes directly to an organization that helps and puts money back in and, and not just throws money anywhere, but they have dedicated programs that make it so that there's actual longstanding changes and, and helping people. It was a really good feeling once I read about what they did. In terms of homelessness and services for those facing eviction. I guess the, the term now is housing insecurity. Totally. And you know, so many of these locations and neighborhoods are getting completely gentrified and just completely changing. And you know, there's a lot of problems that come with that, obviously. And I know that they directly deal with that and help with that. You said we. Is VC Studio made up of more than one person? Yeah. So VC Studio is kind of a continuation of my, my long-standing freelance design career. And we do have a small team, but we're also, we've actually just launched a agency called Creative Library. And you can see more on creativelibrary.co, but we're going to be taking on bigger design projects. And that we have a, we definitely have a small team assembled that we're working every day to get that together. And we also, part of the DNA of the agency is going to be social programs and ways to give back and and combine art with raising money for things and bringing attention to things and stuff like that is going to be really important to us. Wow. Again, noble endeavor. Thank you. There have been other Atlanta hip-hop maps, but most were digital or interactive. Joseph, why did you want to make the Atlanta rap map a printed, hard copy version we can hold? Uh, That's a good question. I think Partly just because I get such a joy out of making something that ends up printed and physical. I think that's kind of been a a recurring trend throughout my whole career of designing things that we've made into objects, kind of creating, almost creating artifacts of the future is kind of how I like to look at it. Knowing that something might, I might be in goodwill in 10 years and see a thing I designed as a cool feeling, or I don't know, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk of print is dead now that we're in the digital world and the metaverse and all that. But I think the more digital we get, the more special the kind of physical objects, the printed things are. I mean, we've seen in the book industry that paperbacks are kind of dying out because you can just get it on your, on your Kindle or whatever. But the hardcovers are more detailed, more printing effects, more special than they've ever been before. So I think that physical things will always have a value. I don't know. They just feel more special to me. Joseph Easy. Atlanta illustrator and founder of VZ Studio. More information can be found at atlrapmap.com. Coming up, Atlanta food expert Sky Estroff takes us on a road trip. Amplifying Atlanta, this is 90.1 WABE. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. 
Connecting people through food is a lifelong goal for Atlanta Sky Astroff. In her new TV show, Foodie Road Trip, she goes from city to city, sharing the stories of Georgia's hidden gems and local restaurants. The six-episode series is available to stream now on several platforms, and the host joins us to talk about her show. Sky Estroff, welcome to City Lights. Thank you so much, Lois. That was a wonderful and warm intro. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm curious to know where your love of food began. I would say probably when I took my first bite, but <laughs> <laughs> I've always just learned my way through food. Like that was my method of learning. My whole life was tasting. And I always gravitated towards different cuisine types and learning my family's recipes. And then I went on through school. I took nutrition in high school. And then I was a dietetics major in college and took on jobs all about food after college. So Food has really guided my life's trajectory in a way. I'm curious about dietetics, your study at UGA. What is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? That is a great and informative question because a lot of people get this confused. So when I went to school for dietetics, I was on the path to become a registered dietitian, which now in order to get those credentials, not only do you have to do like pretty much like a residency and then pass that exam or a whole like board of exams to become one, but now you also have to complete a master's degree too. So it's a really intensive process because it's really learning about medical processes in your body and food connected to how your body functions. A nutritionist requires less credentials and it's a more flexible term. So technically with my degree, I am a quote unquote nutritionist, but nutritionist is not a profession that is able to practice in every state. And Georgia is a state that does not accept that as a credential, but it's gotten so cloudy over the years too. So it's a really good question. Well, it's very important to know the difference then. Um, those credentials are not taken lightly. Yes. Sky, where in Georgia did you grow up? I grew up in Alpharetta, Georgia, so one of the featured towns in season one of Foodie Road Trip, which is actually, that's very behind the scenes knowledge because only the real people that listen to City Lights with Lois are going to understand <laughs> all of these things. But um, I grew up in Alpharetta my whole life, and I went to Chattahoochee High School and then went on to the University of Georgia from there. All right. So you are Georgia born, bred, and buttered. <laughs> How did the idea of Foodie Road Trip come about? Well, this is something that's been stirring in my brain since elementary school, I would say. I have 
really been obsessed with all things food and food TV. And I remember when I was in, I believe, fourth grade, we were told to do a DIY project for our class to present something with steps. And most people like chopped a wood block or, you know, did something very simple, built a Lego set. I decided to write a script for my own TV show where I locked Emerald Lagasse in a closet and took over his show for the day. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic at yes. what, nine, nine or 10 years old. Yes, yes. And I just felt that was entirely appropriate. My parents still have the script saved. And I just always visioned me being able to connect with a wider audience through food. Maybe I don't need to lock anybody in a closet anymore. I mean, that was fictional with Emerald, but I really, I loved watching him. I loved all of the catchphrases of BAM and stuff. And I also, that day, instead of just going off of my performative script, I, I did make a French apple tort for my class. La la. Yes. So I was just always wanting to make pretty things and make people surprised and delighted through food. Mm. Now, gosh, road food, <laughs> the concept is not new. But it has become so popular. I'm curious about how Foodie Road Trip differs from other road food shows such as diners, drive-ins, and dives. I think that you've hit a nail on the head about taking food as something that doesn't have to have that layer of pretension and snobbery, as you said, with it. I think that's a huge part of the food culture, probably always, but especially right now. And I want to see food as something that everybody feels that they can approach and everybody feels a connection to and doesn't shy away from because food, as I've said, is like how I've learned and how I want people to come together and not feel intimidated by it. Uh, for Foodie Road Trip, our show is different than others that have come across for a couple of reasons. One is not only are we going to the towns and talking to the restaurant owners and chefs and hosts and managers and everybody behind the scenes in each restaurant, but we're also going to this really cool kitchen space actually filmed out of Norcross, another behind the scenes knowledge for you. It's called Premier Food Service Group. So we go there and film these recipes, rest stop recipes with special guests. And I think those are a really cool way to break up the segments and have something light and bright and something to take home for the viewers too, that they can follow along with these really fun refreshments and recipes with these special guests. So that's one way that we're a little bit different, but I think it's also the uniqueness of my background and my connection to small towns is really something that sets it apart too, because I, something else I'm just unveiling for you here is that um, Vadeya, Georgia, you know, the sweet onion city, that's where my grandparents live. And I have spent a lot of time in my life and that's really what inspired this whole concept too, is that 
nobody I grew up with, even though I was just three hours away in Alpharetta, Georgia, understood that small town mentality and understood what a restaurant meant to a town, that this watering hole for people actually made everybody sit down together when they normally wouldn't cross paths in their day-to-day life. So I really, I think that my lens for it is a little bit different because it's so personal to me. Mm -hmm. And then also separating it with the rest stop recipes gives it a little something different as well. In fact, Vidalia, Georgia is the place you highlight in the first episode of Foodie Road Trip. And you have a rest stop refreshment segment with our friend of the show, Merit Davis. I call her the diva of delicious. (laughs) I love that. What did Mara help you make? Yes, Mara helped me if I memorize this correctly for episode one, I think we made red wine slushies, which was really, really fun. She was ready to come help me with that rest stop refreshment. (laughs) And we also made sweet and savory pecans, roasted pecans. Yes. Had to ode to pecans of Georgia, but we definitely had a good time. And I made sure that there was something with a little cocktail element for her to enjoy as well. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes, and my guest is Sky Estroff, food expert and host of Foodie Road Trip. In another episode, you have a segment of Rest Up Recipes, and I'm wondering why you feel it especially important to highlight Southern recipes in this show and teach viewers how to make those recipes? For me, it's really a point where I feel so comfortable in the kitchen and I feel like the best version of myself there. And so I want to showcase that because when I have my best energy, it spreads. I think I think for anybody that's doing what they want to do, when you're feeling your best, then it shines to other people and makes them feel good and happy. So I think that's really why I wanted to integrate it into the show. It's also because I want to show that Southern cuisine is not just in one form. There's many different ways to approach it. And that many different people help add to what those recipes are. So as Mara is one of our guests, as, you know, the delicious Steva as she is, that's a great example of somebody connected in food. But we also have Alana Richards, who is a farmer in Georgia, who helps talk about Georgia produce and how things are grown. And We also have Eating with Erica, who's an influencer in the food space. So we're seeing food approached in the different lenses that we see it. And I just, I think that sharing that in a happy, light, bright way, and in a way that everybody can feel the excitement around is really important. And it's just so fun. Lois, if you want to come on for season two, you're more than welcome. (gasps) Oh, goodness, would I love it. I would love it. Could we 
do something chocolate? Uh, yes, I am self-pronounced a chocoholic, so I am with you for that. Okay, I'm down for it. Sky, how did you decide which cities, towns you wanted to explore and the restaurants you'd highlight? There are so many you could choose from. Yes, it's overwhelming to think of all of the options, but it's actually a funny story because this show, I'm so proud of it and I'm so glad that it's accessible for people to watch now on many streaming platforms. But the way that this project started was just me and my partner, Willie, who is, um, owns his own production company. He's my business partner. It was just us just trying to make something happen. This was me putting a project together with nobody else involved financially or otherwise. So we were like, where do we go? How does this add to the story? And who do we have connections with? So funny enough, we started with Badea. That was the first town that we really knew we wanted to highlight. And I had my Nini, my grandma, Anita, go door to door and ask her restaurant owner friends if they would have us come in. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful family story. Yes. And she was just hilarious. I mean, when one of the restaurants we visit, um, Rialto, which is a really delicious Italian restaurant in town was even quoted in a magazine like a year ago saying that they were stalked by this hilarious lady, Anita, my name. <laughs> and so I, I put her personality to work and I knew that she could twist some arms and make some stuff happen there. I think we can see where you get some of your exuberance. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, people do call me Mini Nini, so I do take that as a compliment. How did your grandparents end up in Vidalia? Well, fun story. When my family immigrated from Russia or wherever the borders lie these days, they had some family in Savannah and the only thing they knew how to do was open a department store. So they knew Vidalia, Vidalia was lacking in that department, um, funny enough, but um, they, my great grandparents actually opened Estroff's in Vidalia and it became the prominent downtown department store. And my family has just stayed there ever since. It's really cool because they were such outsiders. They, this is a super small town and they were the only Jewish immigrated family in town. Not only the department store connected them to the community, but then my nini, my grandma, the next generation really found her footing with the culture through food. And that's how she was able to bridge the gap and connect with people. And people now only know her for food. She has won like the golden onion contest when Bobby Flay came to town wow. a long time ago. He went to talk to her. She is just Miss Vadeya when it comes to food. So she is just a funny lady. Sky Estraw, food expert and host of Foodie Road Trip. You can find more information about where to stream this series on our website. W-A-B-E dot org. 
Along with being legendary civil rights leader, C.T. Vivian and his wife Octavia were avid book collectors. Throughout their lifetime, they collected more than 6,000 books on African-American literature, history, poetry, and other subjects. The C.T. and Octavia Vivian Museum and Archives is hosting their inaugural Kaleidoscope Awards for Literary Excellence. This fundraising dinner honors best-selling authors for writing about various aspects of African-American life. The fundraiser will benefit the Vivian nonprofit, providing a platform for black writers and their works. Some of the selected authors who will be honored are Natasha Trethaway, Teari Jones, and Ta-Nehisi Coates. The event will be at the Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta on April 7th. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Lewis Black stops by ahead of his Saturday show at the Cobb Energy Center. Plus, the co-founders of Balletnik Dance Company share the story behind the leopard tail coming this weekend to the Alliance Theater. City Light's senior producer is Kim Troves. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzis. Thanks for listening to WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.